the school is out. Which means it's time for Hi Kids. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hi Kids show. Thank you for choosing 101.9 Hi FM. This is Hi Kids, for kids, by kids. My name is Buria Katz and I am your host for today. Coming up on Hi Kids today, I'll be interviewing Clyde Wolf. He is the director of Go Chess Academy and author of Power of Chess. I also have Basil. He is the manager of the Norwood branch of the office of Go For Chess Academy. Just stay tuned to 101.9 High FM to find out more about the amazing game chess. Get ready for a very exciting show on High Kids today. You're listening to High Kids on 101.9 High FM. This is High Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Berea Katz and I'm 13 years old. I have Clyde Wolpe in studio with me. So just send your questions to 34519. Or you can telegram us to 061-895-1019. Uh, I think that chess is a very popular sport or game or whatever amongst boys. So I'm expecting a lot of interaction from you guys today. Um, so good afternoon, Clyde. Good afternoon, Bruria. It's great to be here. And it's not just amongst boys. We have some excellent girl champions as well. Oh, really? Yes, definitely. Go girls. Yes. Um, so that's actually very interesting. I always yeah. thought that chess was more of a boys sport. Well... On a political level, they do have girls' sections just to try and introduce and encourage and incentivize girls to join. But as you say, it should be for everybody. There's no, there shouldn't be a distinction, but there are different categories, and there's some excellent girl players that we're involved with as well from all levels. That's amazing. So to start with, can you tell me what Go For Chess Academy is? What's all about? What do you do there? How did it come about? Um, Go for Chess Academy, uh, it's been going about 10 or so years and wow. we started it as chess coaches. I was a ch- ch- chess coach myself. I found the demand was increasing and I got in- involved and I started uh, Go for Chess Academy involving other coaches. So Go for Chess Academy right now, it's a network of about 12 uh, when I say pretty professional coaches, as in that's we we coach every day for a living. That's what we do. We coach at schools. We coach individuals, online, beginners, advanced, etc. And we have two bases where we coach from. The one is in Branston, and the other one is in Norwood, close to Norwood Mall and Branston near Branston Shopping Centre. And um, people can come to either one of those training uh, trading studios, and we train with them and various different methods with everybody. We have championships coming up, etc. We also run the league at two different schools, at Grayston Prep in Santon and at Saheti Primary School uh, every Tuesday afternoon. So there's a lot of activity going on. And also what do we do? We do for all denominations. So we have some events on Saturdays and some events on Sundays. So we've got a pretty packed uh, program. Wow, that sounds really amazing. And you said that you've had this business for about 10 years. And made me think, how, at the beginning of that 10 years, how did you, how was chess and how has it evolved till now? Not only these 10 years, but everything evolves. And I feel like chess specifically has changed a lot since when it was first started or 20 years ago 100 years ago five years ago last year even like it's has has evolved a lot so that's most true and more so in the last 10 20 years than than before with the um with ai for example 
You would have thought that maybe chess would just, you know, fizz out because computers are beating humans. But actually AI is enhancing chess players, giving the ability to learn more. There's so many little apps to help you, etc. Chess is more popular now than ever. There's 600 million registered chess players worldwide. In South Africa, we have incredible number of players as well. Every school is doing chess at grassroots levels. Then we have, the, we just had the recent nas- national championships, three and a half thousand participants from all over the country. Whoa. So chess is booming definitely and, and at all levels it's starting. Kids from age five are coming to us and, you know, parents see the good in chess, the, what it can teach you about pattern recognition, about planning, about all these things that, that chess brings to you. So how was chess when you were a kid? Was it like a cool sport to have or something that no one did? Yeah, definitely a very nerdy sport. And, you know, I always loved chess. And in my school, maybe there were 20 chess players out of a 1,000, a lot more today. Whoa. But the top level were pretty strong at, and in those days. And But I'd say from grassroots level, um, chess is much stronger today as as a universal playing field with a lot of young kids coming in. But at the top level, I'd say age group for age group, chess was still pretty strong then. There were some excellent players, but broadly speaking, numbers-wise, it's just a diff- on a different level today. Is grassroots level like the bottom level? Yeah, well, we talk grassroots in schools. They recognize chess as good for uh, to be taught in schools, helping with maths. Strategy. In, yes, strategy. In some schools, we're doing it as a subject. In other schools, we're doing it as an extramural. But it, it's just definitely taking on the chess bug. As, as, as per se, yeah. It's very interesting that it's actually become a subject in some schools. It went from like a nerdy extramural yes. subject. That's quite Well, it's the perception of chess. There have been a lot of studies about um, the goodness of chess. Um, also, from an educational perspective, uh, we have produced a, a book called The Power of Chess, and that is basically our, it, it covers our syllabus that we do in schools at coaching from a basic level to advance. Um, you know, we take people forward quite quickly and from a beginner level, and they can advance very quickly with the right kind of training as well and practice. Hmm, that's very interesting. It really does sound like a very cool game, I must say. Yeah, well, either you love it or you don't play it. The people that play it love yeah, it exactly. and they get uh, fully engrossed. That's true. It's one of those things. You either just doesn't even like occur to you. You've never, you've hardly even heard of it. You don't know how the pieces move or anything. Or it's, some, it's like your passion and it's your life. It's quite no, it absolutely is. And even after a long day's coaching, the most relaxing thing sometimes just to go home and play on chess.com, which is one of the websites. And Basil is with me today also. He plays a lot on chess.com. And it's, it's a great coaching tool as well because we can see your pupils' games. You can, you can see it transparently if they let you into their account, become their friend, and then you can see people's games, analyze it, and use that as a tool. So we use computers to verify our moves, but not we don't just become slaves to computers. That's my approach anyway. That makes sense. And it really sounds like, like chess is your life and it's your passion is what you have wanted to do for a very long time. So how did you get introduced to chess? When did you start? Who taught you? Well, I started when I was 11 and a friend taught me and I beat him in the very first game and then he gave <laughs> up chess. So that's my story. Did he seriously be Yeah, he seriously gave, gave up chess. It's just had that. <laughs> I think it's just all the people I know, they love chess. There's no like in between. Because yeah. you put a lot of hours in, 
So if it was like hard work, you know, you might give up if you're not seeing it. But you've got to love the game and you'll get the results. And it's very competitive now and there's a lot of uh, websites and you can look up other people's games, etc. So it's just on a new level, but the game is still the game. And, you know, in answer to your question about how the game's evolved, over the centuries the rules have changed. For example, the Queen never used to be such a powerful piece before. Oh, really? Yeah, before, um, you know, women's rights and the piece, the Queen was a very weak piece and then going with history, chess mirrors history in many ways. Even the Cold War and then the Fisher Spassky match it was the first time an American had actually, uh, you know, toppled one of the Russians and Russia was huge in chess in schools and people got chess uh, sponsorships, etc. So, yeah, chess is very much mirrored history as we go, even to this current day. That's absolutely hilarious. They made yeah. the queen stronger when yeah. women's rights yeah. came well, about. Well, it evolved, yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. It's like, you know, women were like, you know, the less important people, whatever, yeah. and now, like, the king can hardly do anything. Yeah. And it is the most important piece in the game. Well, just to clarify, we say the queen is the most powerful the because it can move the furthest in squares, but the king is the most important because um, as not everyone knows, but the chess players know this, you win a game by checkmating the king, so you can never take the king off the board, and the king has no actual trading value. But we say the king's value is priceless because it can't be changed for any piece. So it is ext- that is how we say it. it's the most power, uh, the most important piece. The queen's the most powerful piece. It's interesting because the queen. For anyone, I mean, I don't play chess, but I don't know how the pieces move. Yes. I know that the queen can move however many squares yes. in any direction. Yes. So it can move however many squares you want, forward, backwards, diagonal, right, left. So it's very, it can go anywhere almost. Yes, but if you lose your queen, you haven't lost the game yet. Yes, Whereas definitely. if your queen, your king is trapped, that's called checkmate and you will lose the game. It's, a, it's certainly a very helpful piece. It's extremely helpful. But also one thing we teach um, in chess is not to be too materialistic, and there's something called sacrificing in chess. Yes. And very often the, the, the most extravagant, extravagant kind of sacrifice is when you sacrifice your queen, and obviously only a more advanced player would know how to do that, but that's quite the most extreme kind of sacrifice where you actually voluntarily give up your most powerful piece. And some of the most amazing games in chess have been when great players have... Um, sacrifice their queen it's very interesting you l- lose to win well chess te- I mean not lose but no 100% but chess also teaches us about life in many ways and like I said one of the things is to be too materialistic in chess and just go for taking everything is not always the best approach so you just got to do what the situation demands all those Harry Potter fans out there me included. Uh, it just reminds me of this. If, if any, anyone who's read the first book, and when Harry and his friends go into that, I forgot what it's called, that like place where the philosopher's stone is hidden, yeah. and, the, and all those challenges, and one of them is chess. Yes. And Ron's like, you need to give up your piece to, you know, you yeah. give up your piece in order to win, and they like sacrifice their piece, and then they win. That's very so, good. So, yeah, this is how I remember That's great. If you want me to remember anything, just connect it to Harry Potter. <laughs> okay. No, I'm joking. I love Harry Potter, though, and I know a lot of people do. Someone's like, sometimes I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, you like Harry Potter. I haven't even read it. What? <laughs> well, it's not. A, it's almost as popular as chess itself, but yeah. chess is more popular. It's, it's actually interesting. J.K. Yeah. Rowling, the author yes. of Harry Potter, I think is the only 
author to become a millionaire from her books. Something like that. I wouldn't have thought the only one, but definitely she's in the Because a lot of a lot of authors yeah. actually became famous after they died. Yeah. Their well, books only like you know, started becoming po- very popular. Yeah. Well, Stephen King is pretty popular as well, but uh, let's not worry about that. But, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. My, my mind and my source is wrong. But no, no, no. It's, it's definitely the, probably the most successful author, definitely. Yeah, exactly. So, anyways, back to chess. Yes. <laughs> we always um, come back to chess. Yeah, exactly. Especially for you. I mean, you do chess all day. Yeah, yeah. Does it ever get boring for you? Well... I actually wouldn't say it gets boring. I love the coaching, but sometimes the coaching, if somebody comes to me and they don't really want to be there or their parents sent them, then it can be frustrating because you're not really flowing with a person. So chess coaching is a partnership with between you and your pupil. And when it's great, it's just the best and you don't want to stop. And when it's not great, you just can't wait for it to end. So, yeah, in a sense, it does get boring, but it's extremely stimulating. And besides the work that you put in for for the time that you're coaching, you do a lot of research, and you always and each person, you you help them the way that they think you think their individual needs need to um, respond to chess, because everybody could have a different style as well. Chess is not just mechanically you're just going to play the same. Every person depends on your style. You can play that approach. It's very interesting. Chess is one of those things is you either love it or you just don't do it. I would definitely stay with it. don't force yourself to do it just because it's cool or everyone's doing it or your mother forced you to or Yeah, that is the most, the most uh, true uh, advice and I say that to everybody, my own kids as well. Um, never ever force anybody because then it really, they'll hate chess. And chess That's is not, not what chess is not for everybody. And at Go for Chess Academy in particular, we don't have maybe as many players as some of the other clubs, but our record, like we just come back from nationals, we had like virtually every single pupil came back with some kind of medal, whether the, you know what, on whatever amazing. level. So we really go for the quality, as you know, as opposed to, as opposed to the quantity. But obviously, we always welcome new people, but they've got to have the attitude because we but put everything in as coaches, yeah, and all our coaches have that same sort of approach and work ethic as well. Definitely, with a lot of things. Yeah. And I just remember now, we were talking about the queen and how if you mm. sat, you can sacrifice your queen and mm. then, you know, end up winning the game. And I seem to remember, like, I did play chess once or twice, uh, that if you, um, if you, if you, the other, t- the other player takes your mm. queen, then if you move a pawn, if you get a pawn to the end of the board, then you can get the queen back. That is, is that right? That is a rule. It's called promotion. So if you promote a pawn to the other side, then you you can choose a queen, although the rules say you can choose any piece, All but right. 99% of the time it will be a queen. But And also sometimes the rules in chess have evolved, and they're maybe not that logical because most of the times you will choose a queen, but you have got an option to choose any piece. And just to um, add to what you said, you may choose a, you may get a queen even if you haven't lost your queen. So you can get what? a... What? You can get an yeah, extra queen? You can actually have a theoretical nine queens because you have eight pawns and your queen. That is so awesome. Yeah, but it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And in fact, uh, good chess players will tell you that very rare to even need two queens. Some people like to go for lots of queens, but you don't need them. So would, would chess boards have like extra... 
extra queen pieces. Some chessboards come with one extra queen, but say you don't have an extra queen and you promote a pawn, you can literally take a bottle top and say, this is a queen. You know, or you, you can, can even take the pawn and put like a little mark yeah, on you can Or turn the rook upside like down or whatever you want. But like I say, it's more like a beginner's thing to get lots of queens. Like better players, they, know, they don't really need the extra queen, but sometimes yeah. you do. There is normally, there are two queens is, sometimes happens, but almost never three. It's pretty cool, actually, that you can have two. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> but, you know, as chess coaches, we say we must try and win the quickest way if you're winning. Quickest, not in time sense, but in the number of moves. So if there's a way to win a quicker way and you don't need the queen, then rather win. If you ca- if you need the queen, then that's fine. But it's also it can be hard to get to the end of the board because you're going into their territory, if you know what I'm saying. So it's very easy for them to take you. Yeah, I, it's just... Um, it's a sort of a byproduct of, at the end of the game that a pawn could be promoted. But even if you're the world champion, you can't predict from the beginning of the game that such a, a particular pawn is going to promote. But it becomes more dangerous as you left with pawns. Then if a pawn goes gets to the other side, promotes a pawn without any other pawns opposing it, either in front of it or the files next to it, um, is called a past pawn. That's a dangerous pawn that can't be stopped by other pawns might be stopped by um, other pieces um, but yeah chess de- depends on the stage of the game situations develop and one of them is promoting that pawn and you, a good chess player will 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 notice when that pawn becomes strong and think about promoting it but it's not something you can do from the beginning of the game it's very interesting there are a lot of things that you're talking about that I never yeah, thought chess, of before chess is, is so much to learn and but you can literally start on day one and just learn and start absorbing things. It's universal learning because as you talk about, for example, the center, whether you're a beginner or the world champion, the center in chess is important. Just like the strongest in, position. Yeah, just like in tennis, a player at the center can choose where they want to put the ball. In chess from the center, you can plan your attack. Have a strong center is normally the basis for any attack. Then we talk about pawns. We have double pawns, which are bad because they block each other and these type of things. So when we coach chess, it's not like a checklist that we're doing, okay, chapter one, number one, have we done that? Because things come up as in, and then as they come up, we talk about them because that's, you know, what I call universal learning in chess. And that's the best way to become really good at chess. If you do the checklist approach, um, it's, you're not going to really break into understanding all the positions. It's very interesting. And we're going to carry on talking about this chess, which I've never knew anything about. Um, I mean, this much about after the song break. You're listening to High Kids on 101.9 High FM. This is High Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Beria Katz and I'm 13 years old. Let's carry on with our questions. So, I just want to say, first of all, that there's so much to chat. I mean, I don't even play chess but there's so much that I didn't know about it and it's really really interesting you know about like how it evolves with history it's actually pretty funny but um, how it evolves with history it's very interesting so are there any other like historical things that change chess the pieces how they move how people play well um, yes the the board was a little bit different um, oh, really? in the Nobody knows exactly where chess came from, but um, general consensus is it was invented probably in India. It went to Persia, changed a bit the rules there. Um, one quick story I can tell you about 
uh, everybody that plays chess knows about Philidor, and the name Philidor. Philidor was a very famous player in France in the, in the um, 19th century, and he was the mayor of Paris, and he made a statement. And just remember that pawns in those days were like the peasants, so the pawns represented the peasants, and he made a statement that pawns are the soul of chess, and saying that they're so powerful, etc., whatever you want to read into that. And he actually was fired from his job for saying that because he was saying something pro the pro the revolution, so to speak. So, yeah, I think there's a million examples of that in history, but that that's, that, that is a, a fact as well that you can take on your notes. That is pretty awful. Yeah, yeah. So they fired him for saying that. Yeah, for saying that. Important. Yeah, and obviously there's stories they used to play chess with actual people. Let's not even go there. But I don't know. I'm not a historian on chess, but I can tell you a few things. Oh, that's awful. Yeah, yeah. But imagine, like, inventing chess. That's vi- someone like invented the game. Someone invented that whole strategic way to it. It's yeah. very interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting, and it's such a parallel to life as well. And like, even the way we teach about what checkmate is. So check means a threat to the king. So we explain it sometimes to young kids. We say, if somebody punches you, you can do three things. You can punch them back quickly. Mm-hmm. You can block. You can run away. Or you can run away. There you go. So those are the three ways of getting out of check. So when somebody attacks your king, can run away, it can block, or it can recapture. So that's exactly like life. And then if you can't do any of those three things, then you're in checkmate. So chess could not be a more logical there's no more logical game than chess, and there's no dice or no cards, so it's completely your own creativity at the board. So, if they, if there's a protection to the king, then they, like right next to the king, that can just block any, any like threat. Then yes. the king can never get into checkmate. Well, there are various ways to checkmate the king. Sometimes, as you say, the so-called protection can be broken down. Sometimes. Uh, depends on which piece you can go around the protection. Sometimes you need the king in the corner. It just depends. But if the king blocks the immediate threat, then the king's not in check anymore. We call it check. And a king is not allowed to stay in check. So if the king is being threatened, the king has to get out of the way or block or, or, or hit back. And if neither of those options are there, it's checkmate. If there is one of those options available, you can choose which option is the best. If you have three options or two or one option and you have to get out of check, it's against the rules of chess to take the king off. And if the king has nowhere to move and can't get out of check, that's the end of the game. That's checkmate. And of course, a game of chess can be a draw. Um, so just How like, that yeah, as I was going to say, just like any other sport. So let's say in cricket, there's certain rules uh, about uh, rain and scores and everything. So chess has got some unique laws about how it can be a draw. So for example, I'll just run through some of the main ones. So first of all, it's a draw by equal material at the end. If you've both got kings and no, no, what we call mating material means not enough material to checkmate. That's a draw. If we have a situation where there's a perpetual check, where one person just checks up and down, chases the king, but they don't know how to win, or maybe they can't win, that's called that's called perpetual check. That's a draw. Another oh, way, really? yeah, there's, there's like six ways of a game of chess to be a draw. Another way um, is called the 50 move rule. Um, that basically, if one person's got a king left and the other person's got whatever amount of pieces, and then in 50 moves. 
um, that person, the person who's got the advantage, has 55-0 moves in which to checkmate the opponent. And if they don't manage to checkmate the opponent, um, the game is declared a draw. Okay. So, yeah, so all of these ways. And then, of course, you can also have a draw by mutual agreement. You can have a draw uh, by just agreeing, I offer you a draw if you want a draw. And then one quick term, it's not really supposed to be a chess coaching session, but I'll just quickly add one. It's called stalemate. So we've heard of checkmate, and a lot of people have heard the word stalemate. And by the way, a lot of movies you'll hear chess words, and people don't really know what they mean, but they use chess words. So stalemate is, it's like checkmate. The king can't move anywhere, but the king is not in check. So if you look at your words carefully, so stalemate just means wherever the king would move, you'd walk into danger. So, oh, I see. so that's the sense in the sense that that's the definition. So obviously some people, and they're new to chess, they find it difficult to differentiate between what is checkmate, what is stalemate. Checkmate means you're being attacked. So the king is being attacked and there's the word check. So there's lots of words. Um, we use for that. So, ch- so check means you're being attacked, and checkmate means you're being attacked, but you can't escape. And stalemate means you're not being attacked, but wherever you move, you're walking into check. And because it's illegal to walk into check, that's the end of the game. The game is declared over because you're not allowed to play illegal moves. But can't you just stay where you are? But you have to move. You have to move. So if your move is going to, if you don't have a move, Oh wait, so you have to move because you're in danger? No, every, you have to move because it's a rule of chess that we take turns to move. I move, you move. Oh yeah, no, I yeah. understand, but so, the, but the, you don't necessarily have to move your king. Yes, correct. If you, if you can move another piece, it's not stalemate. Good question, because yeah, it's just in situations where you're down to just a king, or maybe some pieces are blocked. Oh, but okay, the point fine. is, if you have no move, that was a good question, because it can be any piece. If you can't move any piece, then it's stalemate. I got it. So okay. you 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 can't move any other piece besides your king. Yes. And if you move your king, then you walk. You're going to walk into into danger. Yes. That's so very interesting. That's called stalemate. Yes, and that takes a bit of getting used to. But also going back to what chess teaches you, it teaches you a lot of interesting words and how to be very very specific with the right words. And if you use the right words, then the other person will understand exactly what you mean. So is that why when? Wait. So. What if the person doesn't realize that they're walking into check? That's you have a, to say. That's a good question, yes. So in chess, when you put the person in check, it's, it's not really common practice to say check in a tournament. Most players will just know that it's check. But if for some reason the opponent doesn't realize it's check, then you just have to tell them it's check. Sorry, you have to do that. So you can't take it. You're not allowed to take their king, um, even if they don't see it. Wait, so if it's check, you can't take the king? No, okay, so let's say you put me in check. Yes. By moving, attacking my king with a bishop, say. And then let's say I don't see it and I move another piece. Then you're not allowed to just take my king. You have to tell me I'm in check. Can I please do something about it and remind me that I'm in check? Then I either block or run or punch back. And if I can't do either, I'm in checkmate. But if I have an option to get out of checkmate, I have to. You have to do it? Yes. That's interesting. Yeah, because the whole game is about capturing the king. Yes. And it's called checkmate, yeah. There are a lot of rules, the rules to chess. Yeah, there are. And there's a lot of meaning as well. And it's a lot of people just learn chess off by heart. And you can go into any number of websites. And a lot of people learn it off by heart. And 
those are the people that will give up chess. So the, if you really want to love chess and go far with chess, you know, just understand it and love it, and it'll grow with you. And you'll learn you'll learn all all the different positions and all the answers to different situations. Do you think chess teaches you very important good skills? Yeah, definitely. Um, it, as as we said, a few of them could be pattern recognition, because when we solve problems, we teach ourselves how to solve other problems. We have to come up with a with a plan. If you don't have a proper plan, you won't defeat your opponent. Chess also teaches us to put ourselves in the other person's position and think what they would be doing. Um, so when you're playing chess, you're always second-guessing what your opponent's going to be doing and trying to work that out. Of course, there's a very, very strong correlation with chess and maths, particularly at beginner's level, age five and six. A lot of our preschool courses that we do, um, we have, we, in fact, the one uh, course is called Math Chess, where we have, we link the parallels. For example, there's lots of numbers in the, on the chess board. We, u- oh, yes. we use, we use all sorts of mathematical analogies, particularly for, for beginners to, to break them into chess and see the power of numbers in chess. And ultimately, the chess board is 64 squares. And a lot of the, especially in the end game, a lot of the, the the um, the end game problems to solve a checkmate are very very mathematical, and you work it out. But at the same time, it's not to put people off that maybe aren't excellent at maths, but it definitely it definitely enhances all round. I'd say a chess player all round would have an edge in in pretty much any educational activity and in their life in general. They, they change their thinking a lot. So do you think that all children should be doing chess? I do, but I'll quickly say again that um, obviously there are those that sort of don't want to get their heads around it. It's like me with bridge. A lot of my friends play bridge, but I've never ever learnt the game. They tell me it's amazing, but uh, I've just never been able to mentally break through into bridge. But, you know, so everyone's different. So I certainly won't say, I mean, there's a lot of geniuses in the world that don't play chess, but there's many that do and many presidents will tell you they're good at chess, but, really? but uh, they like to associate themselves. A lot of them are not so good, and there's some famous people. But, yeah, generally, um, yeah, people like to associate themselves with chess. That's very interesting. It does sound like a very, very cool game. Yeah. And let's say there's someone who doesn't have time to go to chess lesson. Mm. Are there online games uh, that they could play to help them learn chess? Yes. Well, first of all, um, we do a lot of online coaching as well. But with online, we'd like to meet the person and, and get to know them first and then maybe do some online. But then, as I mentioned earlier, there's a program, for example, chess.com. There's many others. But chess.com, it's a, it's a worldwide network of chess players. There's thousands upon thousands of, of chess players online all over the world at any time of day. If you can't sleep at night, you literally go on there and you get a game within literally seconds. And you can set your time level, your time limit, and you'll just play a random player from anywhere in the world. That is so cool. Yeah, it's just amazing. And also, that's also a reason why a lot of young players today are doing so well because they have somebody to practice with. Yeah. Whereas in my day, you play with your next door neighbor if he's available, and that's your extent and he, of And if shit. he's not good, then you're not learning. Anything. Exactly. So I used to go once a week to Jabert Park to play there. And, you know, you just need lots and lots of competition. doesn't matter how you get it. And chess.com is, uh, and I don't work for chess.com. I'm just saying we, we love it as a coaching tool as well. So we also have our own, um, platform on our website, uh, which we do for, for, for online coaching, 
But yeah, so the answer to that is online is available to everybody and chess.com as well is completely free to practice and play. And as coaches, we can watch our pupils play and then it gives us a fantastic sort of, it's almost like a live video of them playing anytime you want to see it. Oh wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it is really amazing. So I completely forgot about your book, but, um, we don't really have time to go into it now, but can you tell people it's, from what I understand, it's a, there's a lot of, Beginner books for chess and there's a lot of advanced books. There's no middle stage books. So that's what you address and you wrote that book. So where can people get this chess, uh, chess book? Um, cause I'm sure it will help a lot of people learn how to play properly. Yeah, no, thanks. Just to quickly say, yeah, the book came out of our coaching experiences and what we thought what the people needed. And it's a very practical, um, principle based book which is an excellence and it's the backbone of our coaching syllabus. The book is available a few places. It's through our website at Go for Chess Academy. It's also um, available on Amazon. Um, it's called The Power of Chess. And also we have books at Reader's Warehouse in Norwood. So you can pick it up there and book dealers of Ravonia. But uh, in this area at High FM, uh, Reader's Warehouse would be probably the best place. But otherwise, they can contact us and also through the schools. That sounds amazing. From what Cloud was telling me about his book before the show, I really think that all the chess players who are listening to this should go and buy that book right now. And can you tell us how they can start lessons with you? Yes, absolutely. Um, depending on where you stay, I mean, you can give me a call. My number is 061-034-2885. And um, either with me personally or with uh, – we've got some excellent top-level coaches – we have Daniel Cordry, who's the, currently the top-rated player in the country. We have Joseph Mowali, the Malawian champion. We have Matupi, Lechao, Sandile. We have top, top quality players. We have Keller. So if you go to our website, www.goforchessacademy.com, and you can connect with a coach or call my number, and, and we can either do coaching from the Nord offices, which is 80 African Street, Norwood, or Branston, 14 Ballyclare Drive, or we can make other arrangements to suit you. Everybody's got different schedules, and we do a lot of coaching within the schools as well. So any questions, give us a call. We'd love to help you and uh, talk about how to uh, improve in your chess aspirations. Thank you so much. That sounds absolutely awesome. Thanks, Brewery. It's been great to be here. It was, it was so fun. I really learned a lot. Thank you so much for listening to my show. Thank you so much to my guests for coming and teaching me more about chess. I really didn't realize there was so much to it. I thought that I would struggle to talk about it for an hour, but I felt like I could carry on for about another five hours. So thank you so much for coming. And thank you so much to you for listening to the show. You can join us tomorrow for another Chai show, only on 101.9 Chai FM. Also thank you to my producer, Senna, and DJ Phil for pushing the big red buttons. This has been Chai Kids, 4 Kids, 5 Kids.